Physical and sexual violence against women doubled in 2020 compared to 2019, and this is largely due to isolation as a result of COVID. So every time there's a COVID lockdown or a stay-at-home order, a woman who is in abusive relationship is often in the home, unable to leave. And it because it's difficult for them to use a computer, the best way often for a woman to get in touch with a shelter is through text messaging because they can delete the text message after they make the contact. Jillian's Place in St. Catharines, which is a women's shelter that helps women in St. Catharines and across Niagara, has fielded a thousand percent increase in the number of text messages. But they are able to reach out and support these women, so the women in isolation, and they can use text messaging to reach out to Jillian's Place and get the support they need. Nicole Reguerre is Director of Development and Violence Prevention Programs at Jillian's Place, but she also lived in a, a physically abusive and sexually violent relationship. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for coming on the show today because I know it's always difficult to talk about this, It's, uh, but it's so important that women who are out there can relate, realize they're not alone, and hopefully be able to reach out for help. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm, I'm really um, pleased that you invited me on the show today. Uh, as we talked about before, this isn't uh, something I've shared widely. Of course, I'm very open about the fact that, um, you know, my first marriage was abusive, but um, I know how important it is to talk about. And so uh, I'm looking forward to sharing my story today. Knowing you, and mostly I've met you in kind of business situations, and we've talked about Jillian's Place. We've talked, uh, you've been on the show before. Knowing you, it's hard to imagine the level of abuse and sexual violence that you experienced in your your relationship. Yeah. And I just want to talk to you about that first. So you met your um, husband when you were 22 years old. And did you get any feeling from then that it, your your relationship could turn violent. I mean, something that was just kind of niggling in the back of your mind and you were saying, well, mm -hmm. where did it start out as normal, fun relationship with a boyfriend? Yeah, you know, it started out uh, fun, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, it was summertime, so it was just kind of a nice, fun summer relationship. Um, I lived in the GTA. He lived here in Niagara. Um, so it was just kind of when I came home to visit family, it was nice to have somebody, you know, to date while I was here. Um, and that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. Um, it was just kind of like a summer thing. And, uh, of course, you know, it turned into something much more than that. And, and no, like, you know, he was very charming, um, seemed like a good guy, really put me on a pedestal and made me feel really great about myself made me feel even like I was the dominant person in the relationship, um, which of course I know now is kind of a grooming tactic. And, uh, um, but there were certainly red flags that I, at the time I didn't recognize, you know, he was very jealous. Of course, we were in separate cities. Um, so the phone calls were incessant. Um, if he didn't get me on the line, he would call and call and call and call and call. Um, you know, I had a roommate, if I wasn't home, who would answer the phone, and he would call over and over again. And then it was always, oh, you know, you didn't answer your cell phone. So I was just really worried about you. 
Um, and I thought, oh, you know, how nice, <laughs> you know, that he's so concerned about me that, you know, he wants to, you know, know where I am and make sure that I'm safe. Uh, of course, I know now that's, um, that was a huge red flag. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you would think, oh, you know, what a great guy. Um, he's so caring. But this idea of grooming, I found that really interesting that in the beginning of a relationship, it would be something like putting you on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. Is it already in his mind that once or if the relationship progresses, say, to marriage, that this will turn to abuse? Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's, um, it's inherent in somebody who's looking to gain power and control um, that that kind of grooming starts to make you feel that was, that's what it was. I certainly was not the dominant person in the relationship when I look back. Um, but he certainly made me feel that way. You started to realize that there might be something a little bit wrong in your relationship starting a bit with the incessant phone calls, but mm -hmm. also he started to prevent you from seeing your friends. Yeah. So like, isolation so, started. Yeah, isolation started. And and he would create uncomfortable situations when we were out with friends. Um, you know, if I had male friends, he would um, passively, aggressively threaten them um, and just really made it, um, put me in a situation where my friends didn't, if he was there, they didn't want to be around. Um, and so, you know, I law, I started losing connection with the friends that I had there, uh, living in, in the GTA. And then, um, you know, once we moved back to Niagara, uh, with my family. So you got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would have married him if, if that hadn't happened? When I was sort of reading through your story and, and thinking about it, I wondered if that, if you would have continued the relationship if that hadn't happened. I don't think so. And I also believe that he um, actively tried to get me pregnant. Um, I certainly- Again, control. Yeah. And, and I certainly, um, at that time in my life, was not, that wasn't something that was in my plan quite yet. Um, but- uh, you know, of course, I, I always wanted to be a mother and I really wanted to have, I loved being around kids. I had a niece and nephew who I adored. Um, and he knew that. He knew that, you know, looking forward, that's what I wanted for my life. He knew that I wanted a family. Um, and I think that he started to see the signs of that, okay, this was coming to an end for me. Um, and then I believe he, you know, actively tried to get me pregnant without my knowledge. Yeah. By then, you were seeing some, not some violence against you, but him being violent in other ways. And one of the stories you shared with me was him taking the keys from your car, going to the neighbor's driveway and basically running it into their cars and, and totaling your car. And why would that happen? Is that him, in a way, trying to control the, the urges for, for violence and, and physical abuse? Um, well, that was a week before our wedding <laughs> and, uh, he had been out drinking with friends and came back. We were staying at my parents' house, but I was alone. They weren't, they were away for the night or something, I think. Um, and he came back and, uh, he wanted to go somewhere. And so I was trying to hide the keys cause he was so intoxicated. 
um, and he wrestled them away from me, got in the car and drove. Um, and then I heard this loud crash and uh, that was him smashing into the cars and the police came. Um, I went and stayed with my sister for the night. Um, and when the police came, they cautioned me. Um, and uh, this lovely police officer who I, you know, wish I had listened to said, you know, when we, when we pulled his name, there were some cautions that came up like caution, violent, um, you know, that the police had on their file um, was that he was a, a violent offender. And I, I, of course, didn't know any of this until that moment. But you're now a few weeks away from your wedding. My, my mom told me, you do not have to get married if you do not want to. His mother, though, came to me and said, you know, his father uh, was an alcoholic. Um, he stopped drinking and he was a wonderful man. I, I, I love him still like my own father. Um, he's passed since, but he was a wonderful man. And I thought, well, if he can be that, you know, and he promised me, I will never drink again. And I and I believed it. Right. Well, there's no reason not to, right? Yeah. There's no reason not to because you haven't gotten into the, the situation which you get into, I guess, fairly shortly after that. You got married and literally you walk out of the church, get into the car, and he and starts verbally abusing you. Yeah. yeah. He's screaming at me. Because a week a week prior, he promised he would never drink again. And he screamed at me because I forgot to put beer in the limousine. You know, I was worried about being a bride and getting married that day. But for, you know, 15 minutes and um, screamed at me. And then we walked into the reception and with a smile on my face as the new Mr. and Mrs. And he's probably being charming. Of, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So now you're married. And did you have your baby at that point? No, 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 I was, I, yeah, I was pregnant when we got married. Um, and, uh, it was immediately, I mean, immediately that the physical abuse started and, and, and bad physical abuse. Um, we lived in an apartment in Mississauga. Um, I tried multiple times to, um, you know, during, uh, severe physical altercations to leave and run. Um, he would catch me in the stairwell, drag me back in. Um, and one of the things to note about that is I was in an apartment building. I had neighbors who clearly heard what was happening and nobody did a thing. You moved back to Niagara. Yeah. And I lost my job. Um, because would, of him. Because of him. Yeah. He would call and, you know, <laughs> back at that time, I didn't have a cell phone that I carried with me all the time. Um, you know, we had a receptionist. I had a job that I loved. I was excelling. Um, I was being promoted. Uh, I was, I was in a great place in my life. Um, I traveled a lot for work, uh, at my wedding, my boss, you know, gushed to my parents about how wonderful I was. And, um, so, you know, I was in a good place in, in my work life until this, you know, I was starting to miss work because I was pregnant and up. Um, he would keep me up all night long yelling. Um, and then I would have to go to work in the morning. And so I was missing work. He would call incessantly, get reception, call, 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 call. If I didn't answer his calls, he would show up. 
Um, and so I lost my job. And, uh, but that was kind of a good thing at the time, because then I was able to convince him to move back to Niagara. I wanted to be closer to my family. Um, and so that happened. We moved back. Um, and things got progressively worse. Um, and then uh, one night I called, he came home. I don't know if he was out or if I was just sleeping. He woke me up in the middle of the night. Um, he was choking me, told me he was gonna bury me in the backyard. Um, and that's the first time I called the police. And, uh, and when the police came, it went from me being terrified for my life to me being um, to see him in that vulnerable position when the police came, uh, it, it changed something in me. Then I felt, um, I felt for him, I felt this protective factor for him, like, um, and all of this, uh, emotion for him in that moment to see him vulnerable like that. Yeah. Why does that happen? I mean, it, it seems to me that he was really resentful of your success. And but why is it? And I know this is the case. And I think sometimes it's really hard for people who have not been abused or have not faced that or been in a situation where it's happening to their mom. People can't understand why you don't leave, because sometimes you, p women don't even try to leave because they they're s somehow stuck in there. But how you could actually feel positive emotion and caring. But where does that come from, that thinking? I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I, I just, I remember, you know, in one moment being scared for my own life and in the next really feeling bad for him um, and protective of him um, to the point where he, you know, he did get arrested. Um, but, and this is where I learned. This is, this was the first time I learned how broken our system was. Um, he was arrested, but he was out the next day and back at my door. Um, and so I knew then, okay, all right, so the police, that's not the thing that I'm going to do. Um, and the only time from then on that I ever called the police was when I felt in that moment that my life was in, like where if I didn't call the police right now, he would kill me. Those were the times I called the police. Because um, I knew if I called them any other time, he would just be back the next day. What year was this? That was terrifying. Just to put that yeah. into perspective of how yeah. police. So we got um, married in we got married in two thousand and two. Um. Uh. Yeah. So it, it was, it, and you know, I've had, um, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to discourage anyone from calling the police. I'm really, really not. Um. You know, we have now in Niagara you know, a dedicated domestic violence unit and in later years who were amazing and helped me out so much. I'm just talking about, you know, that certain experience. Was he charged at any point? That, that, because that is, you know, it's one thing to, to mm -hmm. arrest him and take him to the police station. It's another thing mm -hmm. to charge him with yeah. violence or a, you know, an attack. Yeah, he was charged several times, um, but then, you know, given probation, uh, given probation with conditions to stay away from me, which, you know, he didn't, <laughs> of course. Um, and, 
Yeah. And that, that just happens, right? Like the system fails women over and over and over again. And I am a success story. I am lucky. Um, and there are so many other women who aren't, you know, they have this his, this history of abuse, um, you know, and, and police charges, but like, you know, coming in and being arrested, being charged, being released. Um, and every time the, the abuse continues until, you know, until that person has nothing left to lose. Well, you live in fear. I know you, you, you said that when you did have those periods of times where you left and when you finally left, you were constantly looking over your shoulder because mm -hmm. your experience was he was always going to come back in your life. Now, what about your kids? Was there, is, uh, does abuse of the mom, you, mm -hmm. does that physical abuse roll over onto children or, or do, you know, does an abusive mm -hmm. spouse see that as two different things? Um, he was never abusive to our children. Um, and I really felt at the time, like I was protecting them from what was happening to me. Um, you know, I would make sure that I got them into a safe place. I would get him away from wherever they were while, you know, the abuse was happening. Um, and I really felt like, you know, I was protecting them from all that. I know <laughs> that I wasn't. I talked to my children now who are uh, 15 and 18. Um, and, uh, you know, they remember, they remember, they remember things, you know, they saw a lot more than I ever thought they did. Um, and it has my, my older daughter in particular, uh, my younger daughter, she was still quite small. Um, when we, when I finally, you know, was able to separate for good. Um, but, uh, my older daughter, especially, it certainly affected her. You know, she's had mental health challenges her entire life. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, just witnessing the abuse is just as, um, detrimental to just as abusive, really just as, yeah, abusive. As, as though they were as experiencing yeah. it themselves. Yeah. Because that's the sort of the emotional abuse that, that we didn't talk a lot about where it, it does stay in that kind of where you got to after grooming where mm -hmm. it's just constant verbal abuse and 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 you you're terrible and and you're bad and i know often kids who are living in a, uh, a situation with parents who aren't getting along i'm not abusive but aren't getting mm -hmm. along and then decide to separate or divorce children can often feel it's their fault yep. that that happened with with no reason to to feel that way uh, he died you got to Jillian's place before that, and Jillian's place is a shelter mm -hmm. for abused women in, in Niagara and, uh, and women who have, you know, been subjected to sexual violence and so on. You got there, and now you work there. Now I work there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So I, the first, my first connection with Jillian's place was when my oldest daughter um, was quite small. So I... Um, I left New Year's Eve, no, New Year's Day. Um, I was sick with the flu. And um, he, had, I think, had been drunk drinking the night before. And um, he was, it was just a terrible morning. I was sick. Um, he, I was, uh, he was physically abusive. He was spitting on me. Just like, it was a terrible situation. And I thought, I can't, 
<laughs> I cannot do this for another year of my life. So um, uh, that was the first time I reached out to Jillian's place and was able to um, separate from him. Um, they really helped me. They got me some, they got me new housing, um, some counseling. Um, and that was the first time. Uh, of course, you know, I went back um, and uh, was managed two years later, um, separate from him again. Um, and, uh, and in that, at that time, I knew I, this was it, like this time that like, there was no going back that was not happening. Um, and by now he had begun using opioids and, um, was an intravenous drug user as well. Uh, and I, there was, that was it. Um, but Jillian's place was so helpful to me at that point because I mean, the abuse continued, we weren't together and he tried to run me over with his car. Um, he would sit outside my workplace and follow me. Um, but uh, they involved the police. They made sure that there were conditions in place to keep me safe. Um, they got me a personal alarm. Um, police would, uh, like Jillian's place, made sure that the police were in my neighborhood patrolling. Um, they really uh, went above and beyond to keep me and my children safe. Um, and I believe that's what, you know, saved me, saved my life, saved my kids' lives. We've also talked a bit about COVID and abuse and, and violence has increased during COVID mm -hmm. because of isolation. Mm -hmm. At the same time, your, your calls have, uh, I'm not sure if it was calls or texts have, I think you said, increased a thousand percent. Yeah, our texts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so much easier. And I wish, <laughs> I wish that that was um, a tool for me back then. Um, it would have been so much easier uh, to be able to do like making a phone call when your abuser is there in the home. It doesn't matter if you're in the same room, like um, that's a really frightening thing to do and sometimes impossible. So, but texting is a little bit easier. You can delete the text message um, and, uh, a, a really much easier way to reach out. And I never needed the shelter. Um, I never stayed in the shelter. Uh, I just, I got services and, um, on an outreach basis and help on an outreach basis. Um, so I think that's a misconception too, for a lot of women is that they need to be residing in the shelter and that's just not the case. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we're there really at Jillian's place to support women where they are. Right. And I also felt too, I wish I had reached out to Jillian's place at a different point or earlier, sooner. Um, and uh, uh, I think, I, I, I thought even back then that I would have to leave. Like, they're not gonna help me if I'm not leaving. But that's not the case. Like we, Jillian's place, we're here to support women wherever they are in their journey. You wanna stay right now? It's not time for you to leave, that's okay. Um, but we're going to make sure that you are as safe as you possibly can be while you're still living with your abuser, right? We make safety plans and, you know, it's all about keeping women as safe as we can, especially during this time. I can't imagine, looking back, I cannot imagine having to be isolated in this way um, with my abuser. I, I can't, I, I just, it keeps me up at night. It really does. Nicole, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking about your your uh, your journey. Um, I know it is. It can be very hard to 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 speak openly in a public forum about mm -hmm. the abuse that you uh, experienced. We 
there's so much more we need to talk about and we will talk soon. Thank you.